0: Hey, this is Jordan Sutton, pastor at Clearpath Church. Thank you for tuning in to our sermon podcast. We appreciate you listening. A little about our community, we love to come together. We love to come to the Lord's table together. Uh, we're a community trying to be led by the spirit, just walking through scripture together, walking through life together. If this message is an encouragement to you, bring some hope to your life at the end of the sermon. There'll be a little bit of information about how you can get in touch with us. Stay tuned and thanks for joining. Paul prayed that a spirit of wisdom and revelation would come over us that we might know who you are we might know what we're called to be we might know all the things that you've given for those who believe pray that everything that's spoken here if it's not of you that it would just hit the ground but I pray that the words that are spoken that are meant to change that are truth would find just good soil in our hearts Lord We need you, God. We need you, Lord. God, I need you this morning. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Let's give the worship team a hand. That was amazing. This is not a part of the sermon, but I want to read something to you. This is from 1 John 2, 15-17. It says, Do not love the world or the things in this world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. The world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of his Father, the will of God abides forever. First 1 John two fifteen 15-17. The Lord put that on my heart as we were praying this morning. Obviously, you know, just previously, even in this text, Jesus is talking about how if we don't love our brother, if we don't love people, then love God. So He's not speaking about loving people, but it is speaking about a love for this world and the things of this world. And I think that if I'm honest with myself, Over the last six, nine months, year, God has been just increasingly dialing up. He's been increasing the magnifying glass of my own life to realize how much I've tolerated a love for the things of this world. When I read the stories of Jesus during Lent, I realize realize that even more. And I just feel like there is a call I just i want I want to keep saying it at the at the beginning of this time we talked about repentance and beginning of the season and Ash Wednesday. but I do believe that there is a call right now and sometimes like I don't know how to explain this, but when you're walking with the spirit, God is always saying all of his truth all the time. Does this make sense? like he's always speaking love, he's always speaking justice and mercy. But he somehow is speaking specific truths at specific times as well. And I believe there is a call unto a set-apart life just in the season. It's like the Lord just keeps speaking over and over again like, you've tolerated things that I don't want you to tolerate, that I'm not allowing you to tolerate anymore. And um, and so I, we, we started this year in fasting, and I've been praying about this, talking with Andrew about this the last couple days. We a few weeks ago had talked about coming back and doing some fasting this week. And if you have interest, I'm not, we're not going to make this like a big church wide push, but we feel like that the Lord is leading us into another sort of brief time of, of fasting. And um, I don't want to say too much more about it, but I just feel like that there's going to be people this morning that you're going to hear me talking about it, this call into this life, and it's going to, it's going to resonate with you. And so if you want to be um, in on some more extended fasting, we're going to do just come find me. Um, we're going to, um, yeah, lean more into that. I think that the Lord has been talking to me about what it means to live a fasted lifestyle. And... I just I just realized that I don't live a fasted lifestyle like there's so many ways in which I do indulge things that that seem innocuous but I give I give more prioritization to the things of this world than what God would want me to and so there's no shame in this I don't I'm not worried uh, I'm not worried about my salvation I don't need to. I don't need to fast forty days to be okay with the Lord, but I want to be more like Him and I want to know Him. And so, if you have interest in in fasting, just come find me later. And sorry, guys, coming in hot here. Um, there is this Lent theme that I've noticed this year with the readings, and the from the two uh, texts the. the second week that I preached, and this week, which is the fourth week, um, there's an emphasis on how we see. There's an emphasis on how we see. I've just noticed this theme this year. And John 3, 3, you know, John 3 starts with the story of Nicodemus. Nicodemus has come to Jesus at night. And he came to Jesus at night because he was a religious leader, and I think he was afraid to come to him in in the daytime. But he came to him. If you read the text, you'll see while many religious leaders are asking Jesus questions to try and prove him wrong, it's very clear that Nicodemus is coming to him out of out of genuineness to learn and to know what is true. And so, you know, he comes to him and he's like, we perceive that you're, you're a man of God. And and Jesus says to him in John 3:3, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He goes on to say that we have to be born of flesh and of spirit. And it's interesting because Nicodemus actually saw the miracles of Jesus. He recognized that Jesus was from God and listened to his teaching and came as a seeker. And what Jesus says to him in response to all that is you're going to have to be born of the Spirit to even see the kingdom of God. And I just, I I really believe there's a there's an emphasis on this season. There's emphasis on us being able to see rightly what God wants us to see. Um, this week, I was skiing, and I, uh, we had, I've been using the same ski goggles since I was in ninth grade. Ski every year, it's like, it's the, it's my favorite, favorite hobby, and, uh, And anyways, I always say that to my kids. I've been using these since I was your age, you know, like crazy and quite ninth grade. But um, this year, those goggles finally just fell apart. Like I was just having lunch and just every all the foam just peeled off of them. And my dad, you know, like that whole scripture that, you know, where, where Abraham takes his son And he's going to sacrifice him, And he doesn't sacrifice him. but there's a ram caught in the thicket. And he's like, look, the Lord provides. And so as the Lord would provide, um, my my dad um, put his goggles over by the fire and it like heated up the screen so that there was like half of the goggles were just complete fog. And he was like, well, I'm going to get some new goggles. He's like, you can have these. And I was like, sweet, they'll have to do. Cause I don't have a hundred dollars for some new goggles. It was a snowy day, overcast, and half of most of my most of my goggles were just, just like you know, like you know, First Corinthians, looking through a mirror, dimly lit, and look at all these Bible jokes. Um, anyway, I didn't see anything that day. I just felt the mountain. And but I have skied a couple times in blizzards. One time I skied in a blizzard, two actually two times I've had this happen, where it was so there was so much snow and like condensation that like I wouldn't be able to see this this stool right here. And so it's like you can't even see like your feet when you're skiing in something like that. It just feels like you're skiing into this eternal abyss. Like you know, out in space to skiing. And I'm, trust me, I wasn't skiing fast. I'm just like slowly trying to get down the mountain. Um, but I feel like that the way we have allowed ourselves to live, we, we, it's like we have goggles completely fogged over. And God does not want us to see this way. But it is the way we're seeing. Not for all of us all the time. But for many of us, lots of times. How many of you do a great job of just getting seen by the Spirit all the time? Like, I I think we can. But I believe that, I believe that that the time that we're in, it's, it's more important than any time in our lives that we actually see with truth, that we see by the Spirit. We had this conversation at House Church a couple weeks ago after this, and it was just a really interesting conversation to see how when we're born of the Spirit and people see, like we see life differently when we're looking through the lens of the Spirit. And so I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, help me to see with born of the Spirit eyes. Help me to see with born of the Spirit eyes. I'm going to read John 9. These lectionary texts are long. They are not merciful this year. I'm going to read to you this. I won't be able to unpack this whole thing, obviously, because it's 41 verses. <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> we'd be here for a week. As he passed by... By He saw a man blind from birth and disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sent this man or his parents that he was born blind? Jesus answered him, it was not that this man sent or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of God, of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with saliva Then he anointed the man's eyes with mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. That's funny. Uh, They brought to Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes so that the Pharisees So the Pharisees again asked him how he received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on his eyes and I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such things? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he opened your eyes? He said, he is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called his parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, is this your son who you say say was born blind? How then does he see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he's of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said this because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ. He was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, though, is that I was blind and now I see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered him, I have already told you. You, wouldn't, you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples? And they reviled him saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken through Moses. But as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, why this is an amazing thing. You don't know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes? We know that God does not listen to sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world has began has it been heard of that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin, and you would teach us, and they cast him out. Then Jesus heard that they cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, "Uh, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have seen him. It is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to him, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Like I said, long passage. I, uh, there are a lot of assumptions that people make in this passage that Jesus is confronting. And I want, so I, what I want to do, is give you three different perceptions, the perceptions of the in this story of the religious leaders, the perceptions of the disciples, and finally I want to show you Jesus' perception. Um, how many of you have ever had an internal dialogue with assumptions that you make, you know, where you get yourself worked up into something? Where you you are really anxious, or you're not trusting God, or you. But you. How many of you have had this internal dialogue where you just like you're like assumptions upon assumptions upon assumptions, and you ended up really like how did I end here? And I uh, this week I I was thinking about something and began to worry about it and. Some point about five minutes into the internal jousting dialogue I was having in my mind, I said, Oh my gosh, Lord, how like I'm seeking how like how do I not trust you still? How do I still not trust you? And I said this was really significant for me. I said, God, would you I just need a worldview where I just trust in you all the time. And I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me so clearly. He said, I will not give you a worldview, but I have given you my spirit who you can walk with. It's the spirit who leads us into all truth. I'll talk about the worldview in a minute of these two groups of people. But we think that we can get all of the catalog of truth right in our brain, like every every part of the kingdom and just get it all right, and then we'll be okay. But here's what Jesus says in John 16. He says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak of His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you of things to come, and He will glorify me. For he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things of the Father are mine. Therefore, I said, he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Let me tell you this. My greatest work of interpreting Scripture, if I read every commentary for a a passage on a Sunday, like every one that's been written since day one, if I do all the best hermeneutics, if I If I preach with, you know, if I do all of the things and I do not have the Spirit, I cannot give you truth that will transform your lives. We don't get this static worldview that just hits us and then we all of a sudden trust Him with everything and walk with Him in everything. God is dynamic and he's walking with us. And in order for us to trust him all the time, we must actually walk with the spirit which he has given us to lead us into all truth. And I don't get the option if I depended on him yesterday to not depend on him tomorrow. And like I have to depend on him every day. Truth will always be aloof from us if I am not dependent upon the Spirit because Jesus gave the Spirit for this very purpose to lead us into all truth. We love to talk about Him as a comforter, as a counselor, as a power giver, but we don't always think about that He is the one that makes truth apprehend our lives. He's the one who leads us into the kinds of truth that will transform us. And so you must remain dependent upon the Spirit. Like I'm aware, like I think about it pretty regularly that when I come and preach and I talk to you about things that like my opinions can be wrong and I I desperately need to depend on the Holy Spirit for truth to be imparted. And you and I all need the same for every part of life. Are you with me? Okay. So I want you to see because everybody's coming from a worldview here. I, I just look at what the look at what the Pharisees say. I want to start with the Pharisees' judgments and just let you see what they say. In verse 18 through 24 it says the Jews did not believe that he had been born blind and had received his sight until they called his parents the man and received sight. And asked him, is this your son who has been born blind? How then does he see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But we do not know how he sees, nor do we know why he, who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. Key part here. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone be c- confessed Jesus to be Christ, he will be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. So, for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said, "Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner." I want you to see two uh, two things here. They've already they it's stated here that if anyone confesses Christ, they're going to get thrown out of the synagogue. It also says we already know that he's a sinner. So, there's nothing like when they when they're already in, when they're going to the table with that judgment an assumption, they're, they're going to miss the truth. They're exactly like Jesus talks about at the end. They, he is, though, here, they are those that are becoming blind in the presence of, of truth being presented to them. Their assumptions blind them from seeing the truth. Their perspective, their perspective of judgment shapes the way they see anything that Jesus does or says. Amen. I mean, so a key about miracles, I want you to notice this, is that many times, I would maybe say most of the time, Jesus says something to the effect of, don't tell anyone what happened to you, or we don't see them going out and making a testimony. But on this situation, Jesus actually, Jesus actually wants them, he wants the man to go to the pool. He washes it, you know, anoints him with mud. He goes to a pool. He goes to the religious leaders. Like, Jesus makes a spectacle of this miracle. And he is revealing a few things. He, Jesus is revealing a few things with making a spectacle out of this miracle. Like, he's not, he's not hiding behind this one. He first reveals we'll talk about this later. He first reveals in the first couple verses that it is not sin. It is not the man's fault who has caused him to be born blind, right? The second thing he reveals is Jesus reveals the blindness of the religious leaders by how skewed their perceptions are. It is on public display, and everyone who can see it, who's a logical person there, can see that these guys are not going to listen to Jesus no matter what. Like you see what the parents say, they know that a miracle has happened, but they know they're going to get thrown out of a synagogue because they already think he's a sinner. And so Jesus is revealing many things. He's revealing his love. He's revealing his work in this moment. He is revealing the man's innocence in the matter of his blindness. He's also revealing the blindness of those who are supposedly leading him. This like one miracle is like a bomb of revelation of what's happening. Does that make sense? So I want to look more into their judgments. It says, we know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a blind man. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin, and you would teach us, and they cast him out. So look at this. So not only do they have a judgment towards Jesus, but because the man's story doesn't line up with the way they see things, they already have decided in their mind that he is also a sinner. Right? And I'm going to pause. We're going to move on to the disciples, but I want, I want to make this point. It's very easy for us to look at the lunacy, like the ridiculousness Of the religious leaders of the day, and see them as something and completely other to us. It's very easy for us to remove ourselves from seeing them like ourselves in that part of the story. But I I wanted—I felt like I was supposed to tell you this this morning. Many of us have assumptions and judgments that are blinding us from seeing Jesus work in front of us, and actually. I want us to pray right now. I, I've um, we've been talking a lot in the last few weeks, Zane, number of us um, about the attack of the enemy. Like that, there, we really do live in a world with angels and demons, and we live in a world where the spirit dwells in us to um, to give us authority over the demonic realm. There actually is spiritual attack, and when we were praying this morning. I realize that we, we don't make a big deal of demonic attack. And what we do in that is we kind of make a little deal out of what is most real, and we make a big deal out of what is least real. Because the scripture teaches us our, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against spirit, against principalities. And so I really believe that God wants in this season to deliver people from demonic attacks. Um, I also believe that he's, and so let's just, we won't, we won't go into that. Um, I want to pause right now. I believe there are judgments and there are, there are issues of uh, lies that we've bought into in our minds, and these lies are keeping us from seeing Jesus at work in our lives. And so I want us to pause right now. I want you to close your eyes, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you what the lie is. I sat and asked the Lord, God, what's the lie I'm buying into? And the Lord said, you believe you're responsible for your fruitfulness. I'm responsible for your fruitfulness. And so I want you to stop. And I believe the Holy Spirit is going to highlight lies that he wants to deliver us from. And if if you feel like the Holy Spirit shows you an area of distrust, an assumption, a judgment, a lie that you bought into, I want you to just stand just where you are. So let's close our eyes. Holy Spirit, come right now. Search our hearts. As something comes to your mind, I just want to encourage you to stand. We're going to keep waiting. Holy Spirit, come right now. Speak, speak, speak. God, I speak to every lie right now. We hand them to you. You're, you're the only one who can take away the lie and replace it with truth. I can't even do that equation myself. And so, Lord, I just pray God, I'm not responsible for my fruitfulness. And whatever lie we bought into right now, I just, I command that the spirit of truth would come and that you would lead us into truth, that we would not climb our way into truth, but that we would let the spirit lead us into truth. And so Jesus name, I pray that you would deliver us and, and, um, save us and redeem us from lies that we're believing right now by your power in Jesus name, do it. Amen. If you're standing, look around. There's no shame because there's a bunch of us <laughs> and I would have stand. Um, but yes, you could sit down. I, I just want to encourage you, you. You read these. It's too easy to read these Pharisees and be like, oh, man, those crazy guys. Like I've been that guy. That's, I've been that guy missing Jesus because of my assumptions. And I don't want to be that guy. And so I'm asking that the Spirit... The thing about the Spirit leading us into all truth is that He doesn't just make the truth evident. He's the one that leads us into it in a way that the truth actually apprehends our lives and transforms us. There's a difference in like having something exclusively intellectual and having something that actually comes into the totality of who we are. It's not just a feeling either. I'm not talking about feelings. I'm talking about a knowing that transforms. All of you have probably experienced a knowing at some time in your life that changed you. And I believe the Spirit wants to lead us in a truth that changes us. Okay. Um, Okay, that's that's the sight or the perception of the Pharisees. I want you to see the disciples. They're even more humorous to me. Um, he says, and the disciples said, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, who was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not this man who sinned or his parents, but that the work of God might be displayed in him. The disciples also ask a question that is, the, the, the religious leaders ask a question that's framed probably mostly by their bias, their impurity of heart. The disciples ask a question that's framed by their worldview because I tried to do a little bit of reading on this, and I have read about it years ago, but there would have been not all cases, many cases in the Jewish worldview where sickness would have been related to, this, to sin, both either personally or to your parents. And so um, it wouldn't be in all cases, but it's not surprising that they asked this question. And it's not a small question, too. Because this is a really, really old, it's like an ancient version of the problem of pain, right? Like, if there is pain, who is to blame? What is is the reason for this pain? And it is evident to me that God hasn't called us to go puzzle out all of the universe's problems with our own wits. Like, we just don't do a very good job of that. And This is is the fun thing, though, is you can ask really dumb questions. Like the disciples here are asking a clearly dumb question by Jesus' response. You can ask really dumb questions. If you do it with him, you will get truth. You'll get a response that actually transcends your question. But if you go about inquiring without simply asking God in the process, what does he have to say? It's a really bad idea. Like going about inquiring about who he is and, you know, what the world has to say about meaning, like trying to puzzle these things out on your own is going to be the thing that leads you down a very, you know, very dark path. Jesus' response is simply, it was not this man who sent her his parents, but the works of God might be displayed. When I thought about a title for this sermon, I, I hate titles I normally just, Ryan Brewer does our podcast. You listen to this. What's up, Ryan? We love you guys. And he's he's asked me, what do you want the title to be? I'm like, I don't know. Make up whatever you think it should be. But this week, I thought the title, see where is, is that that the works of God might be displayed. That the works of God might be displayed. That's what Jesus says. And I want to take this bigger in every part of life, is that God is always wanting to display his works in you. He's always wanting to display his works in you. You know the question we normally ask? Why am I here? What, what happened to make me here? Was this my sin? Was this my bad decision? Do you know what Jesus does? He takes them away from the cause and brings them to the effect. I can always ask the question, how is your work being revealed in this moment? No matter if it's my stupidity, my complete disobedience, or somebody else's disobedience, or somebody else's stupidity, I can always ask the question, where are you being revealed right now? That is like the easiest way to get out of the crazy train of internal dialogue. Was it this? Do I do this? What is it? If I just stop and go, God, how are you being, how is your glory being revealed in this moment? Where are you in this moment? And like, this is a man, this is not like an inconsequential thing. This is a man who has been blind his entire life, and has had to beg for his living. So this isn't like, this isn't Jesus saying it on some, this is a very consequential thing that Jesus says that the works of God might be displayed in him. You will never go wrong with asking, you can never go wrong with asking the question, how are your works being displayed in this moment? That is always a faith question there are questions that are full of doubt and there are questions that are full of faith and that is that is always a question that brings me to faith i don't even think that it's for sure that jesus is saying here that god caused this man to be blind let me just address that for a moment it's pro- it's too easy to jump to that conclusion that jesus caused this man to be blind he's pulling them off of cause and he's pulling them onto the effect the effect of this man's life in this story is that God's glory will be displayed through his healing. Amen. How many of you spend a lot of time stressing about why am I here? Where I? What do I need to do to get out of here? Like, just if you feel that, just ask this question: God, where are you being revealed in this moment? The NIV says the glory of God being revealed. So this is, we have essentially two options in life. And this is like, if you want to talk about what is a spirit-born eyes, we can see, we can form judgments from our own worldview. We can form judgments from our own worldview, or we can see God being displayed in everything around us. Those are the two pathways that we have to choose. It's the pathway of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's the pathway of the tree of life. We can choose to try to formulate why and what and how. Or we can stop and just go, God, how is your glory being revealed right now? When Jesus heals the man. When you see this, when Jesus heals the man who has been blind from birth. And this whole thing, it ends with spiritual sight. He starts with correcting their inappropriate sight. And all of the middle of this, the miracle is a healing of sight. And it says, it says he anoints his eyes with mud. And how many of you have ever like tried to read on why mud? Come on. I know you've done. This is like, I was like rabbit trailing on this for like an hour. And I'm like, ah, this is, this is pointless. No one knows. <laughs> and so when I was looking, I read it again. Mud is what everyone obsesses over. And there's like 52 articles of somebody trying to say some insightful thing about mud. And I'm like, ah, they all kind of feel like whatever, you know. But the one thing that does stand out to me that I never actually saw was it says he anoints his eyes with mud. He doesn't just rub mud on his eyes it says he anoints him he anoints his eyes with mud jesus isn't just being cheeky here he's doing something very profound it, actually the old testament reading for this week is first samuel 16 and in first samuel 16 we see samuel coming to david and david is out with the sheep and you know the story, Samuel comes and he looks for the king who is God is going to anoint. And he brings in the brother and he's like, no, it's not this one and the next brother and the next brother and the next brother. And they're like, well, we do have one more that's out. And what God tells Samuel was he said, I do not look with outer appearance, but I judge in the heart. And this is a man who has been accused by his entire culture, his entire worldview, that he has either had some great sin or his parents have had some great sin, and everybody believes it. And Jesus is looking upon this man, and he says, it's not anybody's sin, but that the glory of God would be revealed in him. And in that moment, he anoints the man's eyes. Which is such a profound thing to me. He does not just spit and rub mud in it. He anoints the man's eyes. And he goes into the pool. And he washes. And the entirety of the region sees this miracle. And all of, the, all of it's revealed in one moment. The religious leaders' malintent. The miraculous working of Jesus' the grace and mercy that has now absolved this man of this public view of like some sin causing this, all of this is revealed in one moment of Jesus' anointing. Jesus, in this moment, doesn't... He brings such a redemption to this man's life who has lived his entire life with shame, begging, being blamed... That everyone sees it. Then the Pharisees, he says, at the end, he says, He came into the world to make the blind see and those who see and and those that see blind. The Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? Jesus said to him, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say we see, therefore your sin remains. I don't have time to completely unpack this, but the one thing that kept them blind, the one thing that kept their eyes from opening was their arrogance and their dependence on their own understanding. Their arrogance and their dependence On our own understanding. I believe that Jesus wants to anoint eyes today. And he wants to remind us that we are dependent upon him. And that if we stop being dependent upon him to see. And we depend on what we already know or what we've already learned about him. That we will have judgments and perceptions that cause us to miss the working of Jesus around us. Let's just pray for a minute. Just close our eyes. Lord, I pray that you would anoint eyes this morning. Lord, I pray that you would anoint eyes this morning. God, let us not depend on our own understanding. Let us depend on you. I pray, like, like, oh, I pray it would be radical the way we would depend on you. Everything. Everything. God thank you before we could lift you up and praise you were lifted up in pain God when we take this communion I pray we would not take it in vain I pray that you would make this body God you would make this body one that, that feels the holiness of a call That we would not have a a casual faith. But we would have a broken and believing faith, God. So Lord, we just exalt you this morning. We exalt you, Jesus. We exalt you, Jesus. You were lifted up for us, Jesus. Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. God, I don't want any part of me, I don't want any part of me to not depend on you, God. There's so much left of me, and I want it to be yours, God. I pray you make that our prayer, Jesus. So, Lord, we just lift this bread and this juice, and we receive a life laid down. And I pray you'd help us to live a life laid down, God. We bless it, Lord. We say thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everyone, you may receive. We hope you enjoyed this episode from ClearPath Church in Dallas, Texas. If you'd like more info to visit us on a Sunday morning or to subscribe to our newsletter, check us out at www.ClearPathDallas.com. Follow us on Instagram at ClearPathDallas. Thanks for listening. I just want to say this, like, I feel compelled to tell you this. At these, these stories we read of this man, Jesus, they aren't just stories that people wrote down for the heck of it. There's a man, Jesus of Nazareth, and he walked the face of this earth, and he healed the blind, and he opened the ears of the deaf, and he raised the dead, and he raised again on a third day, and this gospel is real and it's alive in us. And th- this is this is the life we're called to. Like nothing, nothing else, nothing else matters. And so I'm just like, I'm in a place where I'm realizing like the remaining brokenness in me. And I just I just want him to be full in me. I want him to be full in me. And I believe. That if we go on that journey together, he can be full in us. And and so, Lord, for what it's worth, God, I pray that you would help us to see, God. God, even if we uh, aren't ready to walk in the power, I pray that you would help us to see. That you would help us to see rightly and to see truly, Lord. To be full of love. God, make this body just crazy for you. Crazy for you, God. The missions calls that are in this room to go to the nations, I pray that you would awaken them, God. The calls to fast and pray to seek you, God, I pray that you would awaken them. God, the calls to go preach on corners, I pray that you would awaken them, Lord the calls to go and to share your name. God, I pray that you would awaken them, Lord. I pray that you would awaken the only things that are real and lasting in Jesus' name. Let we all say amen.